WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me. Five o'clock. Good morning. It is Wednesday, October 18th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mix of sun and clouds today. Another beauty. High 65. Tonight, November. Overnight, mostly clear, low 53. And then Wednesday, no, that is today is Wednesday, Noam. Okay, Thursday, there we go. Right, today's Wednesday, am I right about that? It is, okay. Thursday, tomorrow, sunshine, high 68. Not a great way to start the show, not knowing the days of the week. If you're walking out the door with us right now, it's 48 and cloudy out in Islip on Long Island, 46 and cloudy in Emerson down in New Jersey, and it is 52 and partly cloudy here in Midtown. Of course, the big story continues to be overseas in Israel and in Gaza. And it continues to play out here on the streets of the tri-state, well, for that matter, the entire nation. But I thought it was interesting that the Teaneck, New Jersey Town Council decided that they had to make some sort of statement on what's going on in the Middle East. A lot of I'm just sort of asking why they felt they needed they needed to do that, but they did. And they uh, made a statement supporting Israel. And uh, as they were about to vote on making this statement to support Israel last night, outside there was some major protests going on. You had some pro-Palestinian demonstrators. You had some pro-Israeli demonstrators. And it got pretty messy there last night. Everybody keeps talking about Hamas. Why are we not talking about the beginning of the problem where it started? I don't understand how uh, Palestine has been occupied the last over 70 years. And all of a sudden there's a group that is retaliating. And if we know by UN law... That is not a terrorist group. Yeah, it got loud. It got messy during this debate. Well, debate, I guess it was more of a protest. Uh, Two sides had to be kept apart from each other. The police were called in while inside the Teaneck Town Council, they were debating how they were going to write this statement of support of Israel uh, on the Israeli side. I think it's reprehensible. I I think what they're doing is really, really awful to support this kind of thing. I mean, this is this is very clearly terrorism and anti-Semitism and great hatred. All right. So despite the backlash from those Palestinian supporters last night outside Town Hall in Teaneck, the town council voted on this referendum to denounce Hamas and support Israel as unanimous. And uh, that went through in Teaneck. That is the real war was going on, of course, overseas and uh, a hospital hit in Gaza. Uh, President Biden has landed in Israel. Uh, the hostages still being held in Gaza. Let's get the latest in all that as we bring in, as we've done every day during uh, this uh, troubled time in the Middle East. Alex Trayman, he's the CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. Great place to get news. And he joins us live on our newsmaker line. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noah. Thanks for uh, being with us again. So, all right, let's start with this uh, hospital that was hit in Gaza yesterday. Everybody pointing fingers at each other. Uh, Palestinians or Hamas saying it was Israel's rocket. Israel now saying that they have proof it was a rocket that came from Gaza. What, what have you found out about this so far? Well, the IDF and the prime minister have both asserted that this was a misfired uh, rocket 
fired by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, uh, a long-range missile, uh, which is why it was able to cause so much damage, and it had a lot of fuel in it because it had only gone a very short distance before it uh, before it hit. Um, and there's also communications, surveillance communications that have been uh, published by the IDF uh, between Hamas operatives uh, acknowledging the source of the of the missile that Hamas understood that this was one of their own uh, missiles that hit this hospital. Um, and it's just, again, part of the, the narrative warfare and the psychological warfare that Hamas plays to, to blame their own killing of their own civilians with rockets that were meant to kill Israeli civilians uh, on the IDF. Do we know how many are dead in this uh, rocket well, misfire? Um, from this rocket, you know, we're not sure how many are, are dead. You know, immediately after the hospital was hit, uh, it had said that over 500 were killed. You know, it took us more than a week to find out how many hostages were being held. Yet within just a matter of moments, it was already over 500 dead in the hospital. Uh, you know, so you really can't you can't depend on any of the information that's coming out of Gaza about what the IDF is doing in this war. Uh, but we do know that uh, over 450 rockets that have been fired from uh, inside Gaza have misfired and landed inside Gaza. Yeah, just awful pictures, of course, coming out of that hospital. But where you are and uh, in Tel Aviv and other parts of Israel, the rockets continue to come in from Gaza. Has there been damage? Uh, how many times have you heard the sirens go off in Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem has not been one of the places most heavily targeted. We have had uh, multiple uh, air raid sirens over the week, but uh, we're not getting the brunt of the barrages like the Tel Aviv area and Beersheba yesterday. Uh, and, and of course, uh, Ashkelon and the Gaza envelope. And, and I would like to remind people that in Ashkelon and several days ago, uh, there was also a Hamas rocket, Qassam rocket, that, that made a direct strike on a hospital there. And, and uh, were people injured in that case? Fortunately, the rocket hit a uh, pedestrian walkway between two buildings and uh, nobody was killed in the incident. But uh, it was it was a direct strike on a hospital complex now these rockets when they go off are they are they able to aim them at all or are they so crude it's just a matter of shooting them off and hoping they land somewhere yeah exactly they're they're crude rockets they have a, a general um, distance that they're supposed to be able to travel so they just shoot them off in the direction of israeli population centers um, and you know most of the israeli population actually lives uh, along the coast, and Gaza is also along the coast, Israel south. So they, for the most part, are, are firing these things up to the north. And if it doesn't crash in Ashkelon, then maybe it would crash in Ashdod and maybe in uh, Rishon Lezion and, and Tel Aviv and the like. So they're just shooting them. Uh, the missile that hit the hospital in Gaza was supposed to be one of the longer-range missiles and was, was uh, supposed to be aimed at Haifa, which is all the way towards Israel's north. So it was a very long-range missile uh, that didn't make it to its target. ABC News Time 509 on our newsmaker line, Alex Trayman, CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. President Biden landing in Israel, having meetings with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Alex, uh, do we know how those meetings went? I know they just finished up a press conference a short time ago. Yeah, it's believed that the United States is accepting Israel's version of the events of what happened at the Gaza hospital last night uh, and that the United States has once again uh, issued its uh, unwavering support 
for the state of Israel. I can be certain that uh, the prime minister uh, behind closed doors is making sure that uh, the United States will uh, provide support and backing for an Israeli ground incursion and uh, is is preparing the Americans that a ground incursion uh, is not going to be uh, just a short event, but it could last weeks, if not longer. Do we know um, what the response is from most Israelis to have the president visit at this time? Yeah, most Israelis uh, really value the support of the United States of America. You know, they look to the U.S. for for moral clarity and backing and the fact that uh, the president is here. Uh, It speaks uh, very warmly of the relationship between these two uh, peace-loving democracies that are based on uh, God-given rights. Um, At the same time, there is also concerns uh, from many here in Israel that uh, the president's purpose is, as much as anything, to, to hold Israel back. And even though the statements have been strong in support of Israel, uh, and in support of the mission of dismantling Hamas, that the U.S. doesn't want to see this conflict uh, erupt any larger and therefore is trying to uh, tame Israel's res- response. We've been given the impression that there's a some like cold relationship between the prime minister and the president, but it didn't seem that way from the pictures and what I've seen this morning. Well, personally, between uh, Biden and Netanyahu, there's a long-standing relationship and a friendship. Uh, I'd say is that in, in, with other members of the administration, most of whom are members of uh, President Obama's uh, diplomatic team, you know, there's still uh, a resentment over Netanyahu's march into Congress in uh, 2015 to oppose the Obama administration signing of the original JCPOA. And the truth is that today, right now, we can see the failure of the policy of treating Iran like any other normal country and trying to appease them. The more you appease Iran, uh, the more terror you get in the region and the more Israel comes under attack. This is what Netanyahu had been saying uh, for years. And we're seeing we're seeing that uh, he's been prescient in his remarks. Have we learned anything more about the hostages? We saw that video of Mia Shem, the 21-year-old who was kidnapped from that concert site in the Negev, who was asking to come home. Uh, we think there's, what, uh, around 200 more that are being held, some of them Americans. Have we? Do we know anything more about these hostages, their whereabouts, how they're doing? Well, Israel's certainly not going to release any information about the whereabouts of hostages, especially if they know where they are, because they don't want them to be moved. Um, you know, they can be certain that uh, Israel's prime, one of their primary objectives is to gather as much intelligence on these, on where these hostages are located and what condition that they're in. Uh, it's a very difficult situation, particularly for the families, but really for all Israelis. Um, and Really, it's only Hamas that is is controlling the information as part of their psychological warfare game against the state of Israel. The families of those who they think are being held captive have been very vocal. Do they continue to be? Have they sought out the press and gone on to social media to keep their families' names out there? Absolutely. They have been and they should be. You can only imagine the pain and suffering that they're going through and their their primary concern has got to be getting their loved ones back and they should be putting pressure on the government. At the same time, it's the government that and the leadership of the military that have to weigh uh, the objectives between uh, rescuing the hostages that exist uh, inside the Gaza Strip, uh, not endangering the lives of, of masses of Israeli soldiers that will be going in there at the same time, and also making sure that the objectives are met to make sure that Hamas uh, 
isn't able to take any hostages again anytime in the future. Talking on our newsmaker line, Alex Trayman. He's the CEO, Jerusalem Bureau, chief of the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS.org. Uh, okay, so the response to those uh, savage terror attacks last uh, week have so far been all from the air for the most part. But we've seen as the Israeli troops have massed on the Gaza and the border, on this border in the south. So uh, with the thought is there's going to be some sort of ground war. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. Do we know why? the Israeli troops have not gone in yet? Well, you know, for in the first days, it was due to logistics issues. Uh, what happens when you mobilize 360,000 troops, making sure they all have uh, the appropriate equipment. Uh, also understanding that Gaza is going to be a highly booby-trapped, a difficult urban fighting environment. So uh, over several days, the IDF has been reviewing uh, battle plans, even flying commanders over various portions of the Gaza Strip and choppers to start to understand the layout of, of where they're going, making sure that the soldiers are ready to go in. But once it was announced also that the Biden was coming to the region, uh, I think that the cabinet, war cabinet, took a decision to wait until after the visit in order to launch a ground incursion. So, so there's no thought, because there had been talk, maybe this wasn't going to happen. You don't, you don't think that's the issue. The issue is just waiting off waiting until the president heads back to the United States? The army is ready to go. The question is if the war cabinet will will give the go-ahead. But I actually think that the events of last night uh, with this hospital uh, being hit, you know, with Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran and the the rest of the Arab world uh, trying to stir up uh, more violence in the wake of this fraudulent narrative, of the Israeli strike on the hospital and the cancellation of the summit uh, in Jordan between the King of Jordan, the, the president of Egypt, and Mahmoud Abbas, the chairman of the Palestinian Authority. I think it, it makes it all the more likely that the ground incursion continues because it's clear that the, the jihad is not uh, willing to, to, to uh, calm itself down. What is the uh, feeling in Israel about this ground where so many Israelis have been murdered, right? More than 1,300. And of course, a ground invasion would mean more Israeli lives. Uh, what's the feeling on the ground in Israel in terms of a ground war? Uh, I'd say that Israeli uh, morale for ground incursion is is very high. There's been a feeling in Israel for too long that the government and the military has not uh, protected the citizens. They've allowed Hamas to amass tens of thousands of rockets, uh, encourage it uh, to continue its its pattern of, of trying to attack the state of Israel. And it's not just Hamas, it's also Hezbollah to the north. And there are many people in Israel that not only want to see an Israeli ground invasion into Gaza, but would actually like to see Israel at the same time tackle Hezbollah and to eradicate the jihadi threat from, from our borders once and for all. Alex Trayman is the CEO, Jerusalem Bureau Chief of the Jewish News Syndicate. Uh, you can check it out at JNS.org. Alex, as always, you do a fantastic job, and thanks again for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. 517, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Good morning, Noam Laden. On the ice, that's where we'll start here. The Islanders, they were in action at home last night, squeaking by the Arizona Coyotes. By a score of one to nothing after a scoreless first, it didn't take long into the second for the Isles to capitalize on a power play thanks to this one-timer from Matthew Barzell. Aaron Heaton off for slashing. Dobson, Barzell, one-timer, scores! Matt Barzell with the power play goal! 
That call courtesy of MSGS, and the scoreboard didn't show it, but New York had their way with Arizona all night long, registering 35 shots on net to the Coyotes' mere 14. Now uh, 2-0 and overall on the young season. The Isles will get set to welcome in the New Jersey Devils. That'll come up on uh, Friday night. And to the Diamond in the MLB playoffs now, where the NLCS continued last night between the D-backs and Phillies in Philadelphia with a 10 to nothing blowout Phillies win. Kyle Schwarber hit two of Philadelphia's three solo home runs off Arizona starter Merrill Kelly, who challenged the Philadelphia crowd before the game to see how loud they could get, which uh, probably was a regretful decision out of Arizona's starting pitcher there. So Schwarber helps Philadelphia improve to 7-1 in these playoffs. The Phillies will take the commanding two Games to none. Series lead into Game 3, scheduled for Thursday evening at 5.07 p.m. with the series leaving Philly and heading for Arizona. As for the ALCS between the Rangers and Astros, the Rangers look to all but put away the Houston Astros with a two-games-to-none series lead heading into Game 3 tonight. They'll try to do that in front of their home crowd with first pitch set for 8.03 p.m. in Arlington. That's Sports Gnome, and I'm Justin Eller on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 521. Let's go down to Washington. Still no Speaker of the House this morning. The Honorable Jim Jordan of the state of Ohio has received 200 votes. The Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the state of New York has received 212. A Speaker has not been elected. Yeah, so Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, the top Republican nominee, but he could not win on the first vote. They'll take a second one today, but there's still a fair amount of Republicans who say they will not vote for him, including Republican Florida Congressman Carlos Jimenez, who voted against Jordan yesterday. I'm going to do what I think is right, and I'll live with the consequences of that. So far, it's worked out for me. Maybe this one doesn't work out for me, but I still think that's the right thing to do, and I'm sticking to my principles. I know who I'm voting for, and it's Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, he's still mad that. Kevin McCarthy was pushed out. I'll be voting for Kevin McCarthy on the floor. I will not be voting for Jim Jordan. I thought what happened two weeks ago was a travesty. It was an injustice. You had eight Republicans. They lit the fuse and then 208 Democrats provided the gunpowder for what's happened now in the United States and our Jimenez. And then the uh, former Speaker of the House, uh, Kevin McCarthy, of course, California, he said he voted for uh, Jim Jordan yesterday. Now we had a vote on the floor. It didn't get to the whole point. Now we'll take a break, talk to people and come back and solve it. Yeah, so McCarthy blaming just a handful of Republicans this time for siding with the Democrats. And he said the Republicans should get it done today. Every single Democrat and eight Republicans voted to shut down one branch of government. That is why we're here today. Democrats slamming the nomination of Jim Jordan as you might guess. A vote today to make the architect of a nationwide abortion ban a vocal election denier and an insurrection insider would be a terrible message to the country and our allies. Yeah, it's been, what, two weeks now? It's been a long time without a House Speaker. Putting our national security in danger, attempting government shutdown after government shutdown, wasting taxpayer dollars on baseless investigations with dead ends and inciting violence on this chamber. Yeah, the Democrats, of course, against Jim Jordan. There'll be another vote uh, this morning, actually. The Defense Department says there's been an increase in coercive and risky behavior by Chinese aircraft towards the U.S. in the East and South China Seas. PLA operators have performed reckless maneuvers or discharged chaff or shot off flares 
or approach too rapidly or too close to U.S. aircraft. That's the Assistant Secretary of Defense uh, telling reporters there have been more than 180 incidents with the Chinese since 2021. In one instance, an armed Chinese fighter jet approached a military aircraft at a speed of hundreds of miles per hour and closed into just 30 feet away. Since the fall of 2021, we have seen more than 180 such incidents, more in the past two years than in the decade before that. Yes, yeah, so we haven't heard, though, what, what the U.S. might do about all this. The PLA's coercive and risky behavior seeks to intimidate and coerce members of the international community into giving up their rights under international law. And that happening is uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin arriving in China to take part in Belt and Road Initiative Forum. Uh, we have a correspondent in Moscow who has the latest details on The this. Russian president is set to meet with his Chinese counterpart, Xi Jinping, and hold several more meetings with foreign officials. Putin is expected to promote the expansion of the Belt and Road infrastructure projects, two of which offer economic corridors running through Russia and to showcase investment opportunities in the void left by Western companies that pulled out from Russia after its attack on Ukraine. Daria Bondarchuk, Moscow. WABC News Time 525. Let's go down to South Carolina. Alex Murdoch murder case headed back to court after allegations of jury tampering. The South Carolina Court of Appeals granted Murdoch's motion to suspend his conviction appeal. That's the first step for the fraudster's attempt for a new murder trial after his initial conviction in March for the killing of his wife and son. His attorney said in a statement that the recent ruling to stay the appeal and remand the case for a hearing on Alex Murdoch's motion for a new trial is welcome news. I'm Lisa Taylor. A pro-life group down in Texas suing the city of San Antonio over the so-called Reproductive Justice Fund. That is a part of a newly passed budget. It allocates about a half a million bucks for groups that help women to travel out of Texas to get an abortion. We are asking a judge to clarify that giving money to these organizations is part of what is prohibited in Texas law. That's John Segoe, who heads Texas Right to Life, says they want to send a message to other cities that may be thinking about using taxpayer dollars to fund pro-abortion groups. The city should be focused on supporting pregnant women and their children rather than giving money to these pro-abortion groups. 526 NFL Hall of Famer Terrell Owens was hit by a car after an argument during a pickup basketball game. According to police, Owens was playing hoops in Calabasas, California. An argument broke out. It's not clear if any punches were thrown, but investigators say a man drove a car into Owens' knee after the game. The driver is being sought. About a year ago, Owens got into a disagreement with a neighbor who was later charged with a second-degree misdemeanor. Weeks later, Owens was captured on video knocking down a heckler outside a drugstore in Los Angeles. Owens played 15 seasons in the NFL. He's number three all-time for receiving yards and touchdowns and eighth for catches. I'm Phil Hewlett. Whoopi Goldberg got a meeting with Pope Francis and apparently handed him memorabilia from her hit 1992 film, Sister Act. The actress told her co-hosts on The View Monday that she visited the pontiff last week and showed off a video of the trip. Goldberg said Francis is exactly what she hoped he would be, a pope for all people, regardless of religion. In the movie, Goldberg plays a lounge singer who goes into witness protection disguised as a nun. I'm Michael Kastner. The opening bell, it rings this morning after investors combed over an unexpected jump in retail sales data for October. At the closing bell, 
The Dow rose 13 points. S&P 500 lost a fraction of a point. The Nasdaq fell 34. Investors today will be keeping a close eye out for earning results from Tesla and Netflix. Both are set to hold earning calls after the markets close today. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. That is me, 532. Good morning. It is Wednesday, October 18th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mix of sun and clouds today, high 65. Tonight and overnight, mostly clear low 53 and then thursday's a beauty sunshine high 68 if you're walking out the door with us right now so happy you are 48 and cloudy out in islip on long island 46 and cloudy in emerson down in new jersey and it is 52 and partly cloudy here in midtown we'll start this half hour right here in the city and a story we had told you about yesterday this uh we thought at the time it was a kid who had a medical episode and fell onto the tracks in Queens at a subway station, was hit and killed by that train. We now know more about this person. She's an 18-year-old woman who had emigrated here from Ecuador. She was on her way to work yesterday in Queens, waiting for a subway to come, and she passed out. And as she passed out, she felt forward onto the subway tracks. A train was coming in. The operator of that train pulled the emergency brake, but it was too late. They ran her over and killed her. Uh, here's a friend of this woman. Her name is Jessica Marlene Azak. She was a good person, a hard worker, and never had any problems. She was a worker. She worked five days a week. You might imagine the operator of that train who pulled the emergency brakes, pretty traumatized by what took place. Here's the head of New York City Transit, Richard Davey. Our hearts and and our prayers from the New York City Transit family go out to her family. Uh, By all accounts, this was just a, a tragic accident. Uh, that sadly occurred uh, uh, today. No criminality at all um, uh, is, is, is suspected. The MTA says last year, 85 people died from contact with their train or about once every four days. Riders say a fainting is just another reason why they would stay away from the edge of the platform. You've got to be very cautious when you ride these trains. Very. Uh, not only for fainting, but pushes. And when you're in the train, it's, it's a tragic t- situation. Things happen in a moment. There's just a moment, and if you don't, and if you're, you're not all your wits are around you or with you, then something can happen. And unfortunately, this is what happened. Yeah, meantime, the MTA installing platform screens to prevent falls as part of a pilot program. They'll do that at three stations later this year. 535 out to Long Island. A driver in a stolen car crashing into a Floral Park Long Island car, uh, Long Island home. It happened just a few blocks north of the Hempstead Turnpike. The car, for whatever reason, went out of control, drove onto the front lawn and then into the living room of this house. Thankfully, nobody hurt. The homeowner she was there. She was sleeping, actually, at the time, and, as you might guess, got a rude wake-up call. I was asleep, and I heard a big bang. And when I woke up, half the house was on the ground, was on the floor. Everything 
crashed down to the floor. The dresser fell on the bed. It looked like a scene out of a war, like I just mentioned. And um, I started screaming for my son. Yeah, the best part is nobody hurt here. Crews had to prop up support beams. They were worried the house would collapse. It did not. And then my brother came from next door. He's like, yo, there's a car in our driveway. I mean, uh, in our living room. I came in and the car was running in the, in the living room. So I just went in there, turned the car off. And just wait for the cops to show up. So the owner of this stolen car says it all started when she left her keys in the ignition in front of her house. She walked out of her house to see someone jumping into the car and she screamed to try to stop them. But of course, they just went on their way and seconds later got into that accident. It's terrible, but I feel uh, okay because uh, everybody over here in the house is fine. Uh-huh. And thanks God. She went to go get her coffee and then she came back out and the guy was already getting in the car. And then, you know, the gentleman saw him getting into the car and was like, hey, like, stop. And then the guy just got in the car and took off. Yeah, the teenager, they think it is, was wearing a hoodie. Um, uh, he got away. He raced his car into the living room of this house uh, in Floral Park. And then there's video from a doorbell camera across the street where you see him like instantly just get out of the car and run away. So far, they have not caught up with him. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Montclair, New Jersey. A mom in her home when robbers break in middle of the night, two would-be robbers, uh, she sprang into action and actually scared away these two robbers. Instead of running away from them, she raced towards them and told them she had a gun. She told her story to News 12. I woke up to a flashlight in my bedroom, and I thought it was my son, and then I saw there was two men with hoodies. Yeah, I mean, I'd be awfully frightened. Uh, She said she was too, but she said she had to do what was right to scare off these robbers. It was very terrifying. Um, but I think very quickly in shock mode, and thank God, and um, they got scared and left. Called the police. Montclair Police Department was here within five minutes, which was great. There is doorbell camera footage of these, uh, it's hard to tell if it's a man or a woman, but racing away from this house, and uh, sort of amazing that she was able to scare them off, as she told News 12. I screamed, grabbing the gun, and I ran towards them, and they fled down the steps. Now, I should point out, police would not suggest that you do that, but it worked out okay for her. She's fine, of course, shaken by what she's seen. So far, police have not caught up with the two people who were trying to apparently rob her. Jason Ramirez, uh, a 15-year-old from the Bronx, is missing. He has um, he has autism, was apparently teased by other students at the Bronx High School that he goes to for taking a yellow school bus. This is all according to her mom. Ramirez had been attending inclusive classes at the Gotham Collaborative High School in West Farms when he disappeared. This was about a week ago. Police found surveillance video showing Jason got on a city bus at BX5 after skipping the yellow school bus ride home. As you might expect, his mother, Jason's mom, is just completely panicked, has had no contact with him. I got a call from the matron from the bus, and she said Jason wasn't on the bus. You know, Jason came home a few times saying that the kids would pick on him, you know, or they because he was taking the bus or call him sped. Sped. What does that mean? Like, he's special ed. The, the word mom says she uh, later learned that her son had traveled five stops on this 
public bus and got off, but there's been no sign of him since then. I just can't believe he would like, you know, this would actually happen. This is not like him at all. Like, we just want him to come back home. I told him I have my concerns. You know, Jason sometimes doesn't pay attention to the cars, you know, or might not pay attention to his surroundings because, you know, he's autistic. Another thing he wanted, he wanted to have, like, more friends. But every time Jason would have friends, they were either, like, mean to him or they wasn't the type of friends that he should be having. No, man, my heart breaks when I hear stories like that. His mother um, received word that he may have received treatment at Bellevue Hospital under a different name the day after he disappeared. But so far, nobody has been able to confirm that. And he's still missing this morning. The FDNY says an e-bike with a lithium-ion battery sparked that Brooklyn apartment fire yesterday that left five people injured, a number of them critically. The FDNY commissioner, Laura Kavanaugh, says the fire broke out second floor of this building on Menahan Street in Bushwick, and the smoke spread quickly to the seventh floor. We do see victims, while those victims are not in critical condition, from uh, as far away as the seventh floor. So the fire was on the second floor as far away as the seventh floor, and that is just due to the amount of smoke created by one of these e-bikes when they do catch fire. Yeah, I mean, we've seen so many of these e-bike fires over the last year. Uh, the commissioner saying 216 fires so far this year have been started by lithium-ion batteries, um, injuring more than 100 people. Uh, 14 have been killed. And, uh, well, here's more from her. We implore you to do everything you can while we're tackling the issues with the manufacturers to make sure that the devices in your home are as safe as they can be under these circumstances. Yeah, so here's the story is people buy the second-rate batteries on platforms like Amazon or in a store. And those second-rate batteries, they're just, they stink. And uh, they blow up. And uh, there's video, and we'll post this at WABCRadio.com. When these batteries explode, it is instantaneous, the fires that they start. And if you're in a home that is, uh, you know, a wooden home or whatever kind of home it is, that these fires rage through so awfully fast. So says uh, the FDNY chief, Kevin Woods, who was on the scene of this fire yesterday that was started by an e-bike battery. Lithium-ion batteries produce a tremendous amount of fire and dense black smoke and those are the conditions that our members encountered and it also pushes smoke under pressure hence the smoke condition that was on the seventh floor yeah so here's the warning if you have uh, live in an apartment building and you see those e-bikes parked uh, in your lobby you should find out who owns them and that they're using first-rate batteries or if you have one in your garage or home you should make sure that they have first-rate batteries in them the uh, Hampstead woman Accused of driving drunk and killing an on-duty NYPD officer who's from Long Island is now on trial. The PBA president, Patrick Hendry, was backed by a sea of blue yesterday as he spoke outside the New York City courtroom calling for 32-year-old Jessica Bovos to be brought to justice. Well, we know we won't get full justice because our hero officer has a life sentence. Bovos is accused of hitting and killing the 43-year-old police officer as he was uh, diverting traffic off the Long Island Expressway in Queens back in April of 2021. She should not be able to be on the streets of the city of New York or anywhere because she can't be trusted. She made poor decisions and she'll continue 
to make poor decisions. Yeah, we'll follow this trial, of course. 545, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Layden. We'll start on the ice here. The Islanders were in action at home last night, squeaking by the Arizona Coyotes. A score of one to nothing. After a scoreless first, it didn't take long into the second for the Isles to capitalize on a power play, thanks to this one-timer from Matthew Barzell. Aaron Heaton off for slashing. Dobson, Barzell, one-timer, scores! Matt Barzell with the power play goal! That call courtesy of MSGSN. The scoreboard didn't show up, but New York had their way with Arizona all night long, registering 35 shots on net to the Coyotes' mere 14. Now 2-0 overall on the young season. The Isles will get, uh, get set, I should say to welcome in the New Jersey Devils come Friday night to the Diamond and the MLB playoffs now where the NLCS continued last night between the Diamondbacks and Phillies in Philadelphia with a 10 to nothing blowout Phillies win. Kyle Schwarber hit two of Philadelphia's three solo homers off Arizona starter Merrill Kelly helping Philadelphia improve to 7-1 and one in these playoffs. The Phillies will take the commanding two games to none series lead into game three scheduled for Thursday evening at 5.07 p.m. with the series leaving Philly and heading for Arizona now. As for the ALCS between the Rangers and Astros, the Astros look to all but put away the Houston, uh, or the Rangers, I should say, look to all but put away the Houston Astros with a two-games-to-none series lead heading into Game 3 tonight. They'll try to do that in front of their home crowd with first pitch set for 8.03 p.m. back in Arlington. Have you watched any of these games? Uh, I watched like uh, a bunch of the highlights and stuff, and I and I do throw on the um, the NLCS a little bit. It's exciting watching the Phillies play in uh, in Philadelphia. It gets pretty exciting in that ballpark there. That's so. true. Though you know when it's not anywhere, well, I guess Philly's close by, but you forget it's on. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd love to know what the audiences are for these series. If anybody's, you know, this. It yeah, be big. I mean, listen, if you're like me and you scroll through social media for, uh, for you know, a few minutes every now and then, it, uh, it's hard to miss, at least when these games are going on, um, at least on my social media right. feeds, you know, because I'll just see all the highlights. So, But uh, it's, it's exciting stuff, no? You know, you could get an interesting World Series this year. I, you know, I haven't watched a game, but maybe when the World Series comes, I'll watch it. Maybe. Yeah. All right, we'll shake on it. There you go, Noam. That's sports. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, let's get you up on the big stories of the morning. Continues to be the mess in the Middle East. President Biden arriving in Israel just a short time ago, having a press conference with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. That, as of course, the talk today has been this rocket that hit a hospital in Gaza, killing at least 500 people yesterday. The Israelis claim it was a failed Palestinian jihad rocket that they say uh, caused that explosion. The IDF doing what they call an after-action review and say they confirm that the rocket came from Hamas. Uh, they say terrorists fired a barrage of rockets around 6.15 yesterday. And they one of the fire, one of the rockets, they say, misfired. They say they also concluded or were convinced that the rocket came from them because they heard chatter on a phone call suggesting that they knew the rocket had hit that hospital. Uh, the Hamas Palestinians are blaming the Israelis for that rocket. 
uh, the Israelis pointing their fingers at Hamas and the Palestinians for it. That as around 20 Americans still unaccounted for may be hostages of Hamas in Gaza. Uh, there has been talk about sending the U.S. military in to go find them, but it's not clear that anybody knows exactly where they are. Florida Congressman Carlos Jimenez says that he would condone using U.S. military to go in and save our hostages in Gaza. The number one job of government is to protect our citizens, whether here at home or abroad. And if Hamas is holding our hostages and some of our special units can go in and rescue our hostages, I'm all in favor of that. Meanwhile, the uh, top Republican in the Senate says President Biden needs to get tougher on Iran. And if he had been tougher, maybe this wouldn't have happened. His tone, his statements and his actions need to send an unambiguous message to Iran about America's resolve. That's Kentucky Republican Mitch McConnell. He says there should be no more splitting hairs about whether Iran was directly involved. President Biden must also deter Iran and Hezbollah from further additional involvement in this terrorist war. The Supreme Leader has rejoiced at the image of dead Israelis. A senior Iranian official called it a proud operation. Meanwhile, heightened security continues here in the city. Tensions high because of the war between Israel and Hamas. Mayor Adams says there's no uh, credible threats to the city at this moment. We're going to continue continue to monitor and keep an eye out, as I've always stated, for the long wolves who are radicalized in their own homes. Mayor says no indication there's been a substantial increase in attacks on Palestinians after being asked about possible hate crimes. Of course, New York City, the home to the largest Jewish population outside of Israel. We have had no incidents of a major proportion where the two groups in close proximity um, got into physical altercations. Mayor Adams praising the police department for doing a good job with the demonstrations that continue to go on. Uh, Governor Hochul, by the way, is with the president in Israel. But I fully expect to be meeting with elected officials, uh, business and community leaders, families, New Yorkers living in Israel. And any and individuals who've been uh, impacted by the attacks. Yeah, she started her day yesterday by going down to Washington, D.C. to talk about what was going on in Israel and to talk about the migrants with the White House chief of staff. Any loss of innocent civilian life is heart-wrenching. And I want to make sure that there are pathways to get humanitarian aid, uh, as the president does, to those individuals who are suffering now. There were more protests in the streets last night. Uh, big one, actually, Washington Square Park. Uh, supporters of Israel, supporters of the Palestinians, Hamas, uh, facing off against each other. It was loud, uh, there, so we couldn't confirm there was any arrest. Doesn't seem like there was. At one point uh, last night, there were people burning Israeli flags. <laughs> Jews around the world are, are scared for their lives. They they feel threatened by what happened last week. There's no perfect way to resist apartheid. There's only unfortunate victims on every side. Do you think Hamas should release civilian hostages? I have to refer the question back to Israel. Is Israel willing to release the 5,000 or more innocent families and children? As with many of these protests, it's college students. Uh, in this case, it was students from NYU, student for justice in Palestine, and then Jewish students on the other side. Hamas is a terrorist organization, and there are multiple groups on our campus celebrating their triumphant, you know, um, attack and brutality. It's extremely scary. And in Teaneck, uh, over in New Jersey, town council there 
voting last night to denounce Hamas and support the state of Israel. But outside in the parking lot, things grew pretty tense last night. You had pro-Palestinian demonstrators shouting at Israeli supporters. Everybody keeps talking about Hamas. Why are we not talking about the beginning of the problem where it started? Well, I don't understand how uh, Palestine has been occupied the last over 70 years. And all of a sudden, there's a group that is retaliating. And if we know by U.N. law, that is not a terrorist group. Teenage cops were able to keep the two sides apart, the Israeli supporters, the Palestinian supporters. I think it's reprehensible. I, I think what they're doing is really, really awful to support this kind of thing. I mean, this is this is very clearly terrorism and anti-Semitism and great hatred. Despite the backlash from Palestinians last night, the town council did uh, approve that referendum supporting Israel. New York, uh, here in New York, Mayor Adams warning that it's only a matter of time before migrants will be sleeping in the streets. He says the city is now averaging 4,000 new migrants a week. And he says it's a constant battle to find new shelter and space for them all. You're going to see the visual of running out of room. It's not if, it's when people are going to be sleeping on our streets. That 4,000 number, the highest we've seen in a week since the crisis began, since migrants began being bussed here from the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, the mayor once again calling on the feds. He said they have to help out. New York City's running out of money, running out of space. We are really, really struggling with families, with children. That is a real struggle for this administration. But we are out of room. Meanwhile, the mayor is saying the city complying with vacate orders of three migrant shelters because of safety concerns following fire department inspections. Some of those out on Staten Island. Uh, but the mayor says, OK, we don't have those spaces. We need to find new spaces. This is overwhelming our cities and those cities uh, should be going through this. This is unfair to taxpayers and is unfair to uh, the migrant and assignment seekers to be living in these conditions. Yeah, amazing though. 4,000, that's what came in last week, 4,000 migrants from the U.S.-Mexico border.